0: Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the Butter Cow is Back edition. This week, we're talking about what Ohio Governor Mike DeWine did and didn't say while touring the Ohio State Fair with reporters, why PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel is spending millions of dollars on the Senate race, whether marijuana can help with opioid addiction, and how Intel's long-term plans for Central Ohio just got a big boost from Congress. Joining me this week and fresh off fair food is reporter Laura Bischoff. Hey, hey, how are you? I'm... uh, actually a little queasy. I think I overeat yesterday at the fair. We're all good. How are you?
1: Oh, pretty good. I had a really good chocolate milkshake at the fair. It's quite tasty.
0: So our first topic is the return of the Ohio State Fair. And with it, the return of the annual tradition of following the governor around on the first day. So I was at the fair, but I was busy helping my daughter sell Girl Scout cookies. But Laura, you went around with Governor Mike DeWine. That's right. It was uh, held inside at the Kasich Hall because uh,
1: there was kind of a rain threatening. Yeah. But uh, they still had uh, the same fair flavor to it. Lots of uh, pump, circumstance, choirs, bands, and performers.
0: Yeah, I heard you had to suffer through the Ohio State songs uh, several times. Yeah,
1: they played Hang On Sleepy Lake" three or four times. And <laughs> just for the record, I am a Michigan graduate. Go blue.
0: Yeah, so when it came time for Dewine to meet with reporters, he obviously got questions about abortion. It's one of the biggest issues right now with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and it sounds like he dodged a little on what he would want in an abortion bill, but he did talk about what he wouldn't want in it.
1: Right. So he said that uh, we're not going to have any kind of um, change in regard to marriage. For heaven's sakes, it's just not going to happen. That's not what we should be talking about. You know, the fact is, Ohio has not taken steps to tidy up its legal code in regarding to in regards to same sex marriage since the Obergefell decision came seven years ago.
0: He did try though in the budget, right, to make it people yeah, was, adopting instead of like... Yeah, but see, the thing is like they seven
1: years ago the Obergefell decision came down saying same sex marriages had to be recognized. right, And then um, Ohio changed the marriage law in 2018 addressing child marriage. They didn't tidy up the language then. And then efforts to update the language in the budget got stripped back out. So again, no tidying done. And I think that sticking with that status quo language of marriages between one man and one woman could mean that if, you know, if we ever do get an unraveling of of the Obergefell decision, that Ohio's old law wording would take effect.
0: Yeah. And when it came to abortion, he said that he is not looking at any kind of or not interested rather in any kind of legislation that would ban contraception.
1: Right and that is a concern i think that um the hitch is that some of the bills that are pending describe personhood or life beginning at fertilization rather than implantation and there are some contraceptive devices that prevent implantation of fertilized eggs as a result there is a big question mark there
0: Yeah and it could also the way this is written could impact fertility treatments like IVF Right Terry Demio our
1: colleague in Cincinnati she had a really good story about a couple from Dayton Amy and Mark Fogel who you know they faced some um health and fertility challenges and they went the IVF route and they have extra embryos stored in Texas. Right. And they're stored in Texas. And now they're kind of concerned like, well, they want to move them out of Texas, but they don't really want to move them to Ohio because there's this legislation pending. And they're really worried about the government telling them what to do with this genetic material.
0: Yeah, but the governor didn't really answer questions about what he wants to see. So it's likely that after the election, uh, the legislature will take up a full abortion ban with limited exemptions for life of the mother. That seems to be the construction of the of the bill. Um, but it sounds like he didn't really want to get into whether there should be exemptions for rape or incest or minor victims of sexual assault. He just he didn't want to talk that kind of detail, right? I think the whole game plan is to punt
1: it to lame duck, which is like the session after after the elections in which you know there's a lot less political on things. Between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Thanksgiving. Right. And, well, it's actually between election day and the end of yeah. end of the year. So it's really, it's af- after the political spotlight is, is off. And usually lame deck is like a super busy time for us because they they pass a flurry of bills, oftentimes very controversial ones.
0: Yeah, so our second topic is PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel. He's a Silicon Valley billionaire and Republican J.D. Vance's biggest fan. So Thiel put millions of dollars into a pack for Vance during the primary election, and it's possible he's going to pour millions more into the general election. Which begs the question, why does a billionaire who lives in California care about the outcome of a Senate race in Ohio?
1: Well, it's interesting. I think that um, Vance worked for one of Thiel's uh, companies at one point, so they have a professional connection. And also, I think that they share kind of some similar views on immigration and uh, criticizing big text regulation of free speech. Haley B. Miller, our colleague, had a really good, interesting read on this whole interplay Why does between care? the two. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting.
0: Yeah, my favorite fact from Haley's story was that both Teal and Van started companies named after the Lord of the Rings series. And I was like, that's just such a great detail about who they are and that they have similar interests. It was definitely nerdy. Yeah. And what's really, you know, interesting to me is if Teal as a character, like just as a human is really interesting because he's not afraid to get involved and be outspoken on issues that he feels strongly about. If the name sounds familiar, it's because he took down Gawker Media Company. So like back in 2007, Gawker outed him as being gay and he took real offense to this and ended up like not only funding lawsuits for himself, but for several other people who believed Gawker had published inappropriate information and ended up like closing the whole company down. You know, he started out as
1: sort of a right wing provocateur back when he was at Stanford. And he, he launched a conservative student newspaper back then that uh, really took some notable stances and and really kind of stirred the pot. So, you know, it's, it's not surprising that, you know, as an adult and as a successful business guy that he's also getting involved in some controversial political areas.
0: You know, he backed Donald Trump in 2016 as well. Yeah, he gave him quite a bit of money after the Access Hollywood tape came out. Right, his backing came after that. That's, That's right. Yeah. So our third topic is medical marijuana and whether it can be used as a treatment for opioid addiction. So there are some studies that suggest it can alleviate withdrawal symptoms and prevent relapses, but Ohio has been reluctant to give it a try. So the idea came up when medical marijuana was being legalized in 2016 and the state medical board rejected it again in 2019, but it may finally have a chance in this lame duck through Senate Bill 251. Yeah,
1: so this is this would be like a major rehaul, revamp or overhaul of Ohio's medical marijuana program, and it's the bill's been pending for a while now. Yeah, and um, I think that there is some controversy to it. You know, it's interesting that the. Patrick Cooley's story on the medical marijuana and opioid addiction, it sort of said that, you know, there's some studies that say it helps and there's some studies that say it doesn't. And I think that the the Republicans who run the legislature and the medical board, they've been pretty um, careful about yeah. opening the floodgates in this way.
0: Yeah, um, there's been a long-term push to have it autism added as a condition. And I think what's so interesting to me about these kinds of studies is that, you know, the study of medical marijuana, at least in the U.S., is fairly new as states started to legalize it. There's been, um, you know, an illegality at the federal level, which has made obtaining material, obtaining like consistent product in order to test in the way that you need to do for these clinical trials, like challenging at best. So I've always like when we have like these competing studies, I'm always just like, yeah, but it's also like really difficult to study in a controlled, replicable way, given the limits on how that can be done here in the United States. Well, the other interesting thing is that
1: Ohio is among the states that just has it for medical marijuana and hasn't hasn't moved toward recreational marijuana. In 2015, the voters turned down right. a proposal that was kind of structured in a way that would have given the backers a big leg up on the whole industry. I think that's why the voters didn't like it. And there was also an effort to put it on the ballot this fall, but there was a fight over whether or not they turned in their signatures on time except right. so that got
0: that got delayed by a year so we'll see and our fourth and final topic to tackle this week is chips Not the kind you eat, but the kind that go in your computer or your smartphone. So the U.S. Senate finally moved on a bill called the CHIPS Act after months of back and forth will-they-won't-they negotiations. The scaled-down version gives $52 billion in subsidies to the semiconductor industry and a 25% tax credit for companies that build manufacturing plants here in the U.S. And why is this important for Ohio? Well, Intel. Intel promised to build at least one plant outside Columbus, but they could build a series of plants, and they had said that how big... their investment in Ohio would be was going to be largely contingent on whether this piece of legislation passed. And actually, even back in June, when the passage of the CHIPS Act was less certain, Intel delayed the groundbreaking on its first plant here in Ohio. Actually,
1: they're going to build two plants um, and invest $20 billion for 3,000 jobs. This is out in Licking County, near New Albany. And, um, you know, it's. you're right, they... They did kind of pump the brakes a little bit, and they also have been hanging out this giant carrot of saying, like, if we get the Chips Act Pass, then, you know, this big project in Lincoln County might actually grow to $100 billion in investment down the road.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, the state of Ohio gave them about $2 billion, I think, in like subsidies and tax credits and money back. And this was supposed to be part of that whole package. So, like, U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown, U.S. Senator Rob Portman, they've both been real big, like pushing for this bill to pass in Congress. And I will say it still has to go back to the U.S. House. It, it's likely to pass, but Dem- there are some Democrats who think this is corporate welfare and it's not necessary. And there are some Republicans on that side too. So, it's not like there's universal support for the CHIPS Act. There's also like, like a national
1: security issue here because there's so much of the, you know, computer chips are in everything. I mean, you're, oh, yeah. you're, you know, your watch, your refrigerator, your car, your smartphone, etc. And the U.S. once produced about a little more than a third of the world's computer chips. And now that production is down to 12 percent. And so we're really kind of at the at the mercy of other other countries to be able to produce these and, and provide them to us. And during COVID with the supply chain issues, yeah. we
0: really kind of exposed what kind of um, what kind of problems it is. It presents. And one more thing before you go. Because the Ohio State Fair is back and because I can't resist the urge to say butter cow one more time, um, I thought we could talk about our favorite things to see at the fair because, you know, it's been gone for two... Well, it's been there for two years but not open to the public. Only open to like presenters and kids that were selling their 4-H animals. So, I was curious what, what's your favorite thing to see at the fair? I kind of like going through the farm um,
1: animal area
0: where That's the 4-H good. kids
1: are are primping and fluffing their, their animals for show. I mean, those animals get washed, they get brushed, vacuumed, blow-dried. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some high-end salon stuff going on for these (laughs) four-legged set. And uh, never do cows and pigs look as good just as they do just before they go on show at the Ohio State Fair.
0: Yeah. So I um, actually am real into like the home economics section of the fair. I I sew and I love looking at all the quilts just because like I know the detail and the amount of time that it took to produce those. Like this year, there was some really spectacular ones. I also really like the cake decorating. I can't help it. It's a really domestic side of me. I'm like, I want to go see the cakes and the quilts. But uh, my daughter was like super not into that. She loved the fairway with the games and the rides. And it made me a little queasy, but we went on as many as she wanted. Oh, so many, so many sights and sounds and things to do. Oh, yeah. And they're so expensive. Oh, my goodness. Hey, at least parking's free this year. That's true. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered today, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like Dispatch.com.